Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is the Hip Hop Saved My Life podcast. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Hope you enjoy the podcast. Let's sit back because it's time for the podcast. Okay, welcome to Hip Hop Save My Life episode 11. Um, some sad news, uh, Rue Madge is not with us today. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what's happened to him, uh, just haven't been able to get hold of him. So if anybody knows of his whereabouts, please feel free to give me a shout. We're all worried about him. Replacing Rue Madge in the role of somebody that's sort of having a midlife crisis and isn't really into hip hop is Ben Green. Uh, hello. Hello, Ben. Director of Asian Provocateur and hip-hop fan, right? Yeah, I think probably more than Rumage was. You think so? Well, I don't know. Well, you've sort of been listening to this um, and getting annoyed at Rumage, haven't you? Well, annoyed too much. He, uh, I find, yeah, I'm worried about him more yeah. than annoyed. I think I'm worried. About, I think we're all worried about him. He's got this Japan trip planned. He won't be drawn on who the friend is that he's going with. I think... Well, I don't know why he's going. He wants to buy a moped. That's another thing to be concerned about, isn't it? Mm. And his wrist. Yeah, he's got an ongoing wrist problem, which he's been very cagey about. But um, but he's not been fired, has he? Let's see how this goes, Ben. I mean, I, I don't want to... I just don't know where he is. Okay. So um, I don't think he's been fired. But um, if you know anything about hip-hop, immediately you're more qualified than Rumage. That's all I'm saying. So, you know, there's no pressure on you. It's not a paid gig anyway, so it's not exactly like... <laughs> I'm not I don't desperate think, to come back. I, don't think, I can't imagine you're chomping at the bit to, yeah. to make this a permanent thing, do you know what I mean? But, um, but yeah. It's, it's nice to be here. Really good to have you Really here. good to be here, Really though. great. To, and, and are you excited about um, Asian Provocateur Series 2? Uh, well, we've talked about this. I think it's, it's more fear and, and just general, you know, uh, terror of yeah. having to make another one. Uh, but it will be, it will be fun. Yeah, I mean, I think we've, you know, we've got the commission now, so let's just make it. And then, um, I mean, we are definitely going to get the money regardless, aren't we? So it doesn't, I don't suppose it matters that much. Is it? Well, it's your career, isn't it? I could probably take my name off it, but you'll, and it's your family as well. Yeah, true, true. Um, yeah, so that does sort of raise the stakes a little bit. Well, thanks a lot for that, Ben. Um, anybody that's looking forward to watching Asian Provocateur Series 2, I imagine that's put you in a right, right <laughs> froth of excitement. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> How's life treating you anyway, Ben, generally? Yeah, good, good. I've um, I had a, uh, a problem with uh, with my drains this morning. Go on, this sounds good. This sounds like some gold that we can delay Nihal's introduction for. <laughs> no, it's just I opened the dishwasher Yeah. and it was genuinely, like, full of water. Right. But then I realised I hadn't let the... <laughs> 
I think that's called a, an incident rather than an anecdote. Yeah. Go on. Uh, so uh, it was full of water, yeah. Was it at the end of the cycle or was it mid-cycle? Right. Ah. Well, you've, you've, what's really, because I don't, yeah, exactly. So what happened, I, I don't, I was so keen to unload the dishwasher. Yeah. That, unfortunately, I'd done it too early. So you, that's not a problem with your drains, mate, is it? That's you don't know how a dishwasher works. Yeah. How is that a problem? How is that, how is that a problem with your drains? Well, it's not. It, it's not. It's not a problem with the drains. But it could have been a. Yeah. Okay. I that's suppose you've say, got me. That's not saying I've got a problem with my toilet. What happened? I shat all over the floor. But it was bad because I was on my own in the house. You're right. Okay. And I had to deal with it. So what that story actually is is. You open the dishwasher too early. That's what that's that's how just from now on, when you tell that story going forward, and God willing you don't, but if you do, that's the tagline for it. Not that there's something wrong with your drains, right? There's nothing wrong with your drains, mate. You open the dishwasher too early. I had my stag do. Yeah, just stag do. Yeah. You were, um, that was good. Yeah, how was it? Uh, I was You I was, didn't go? I wasn't in, I was invited. You actually. were invited. Yeah, but I couldn't go out. to the I didn't pull out, I couldn't never go. You said you were going to rearrange things. Yes, but I couldn't in the end, so. He's not allowed to speak. I shouldn't look at him. No, and also, uh, looking across at him in a, in a knowing way doesn't work for the podcast format. <laughs> I'm learning. It's, just... it's a new process. Rumadge, where are you? Please get in touch. <laughs> um, okay, so have you fixed the dishwasher situation? Yeah, well, luckily, uh, Ocado had delivered a cleaning solution <laughs> for free. So it cleared Limescale. So, oh, hashtag first world problem. This is <laughs> this is a hip. This is our hip hop Venice. Anyway, they. It was a free. It was gift, a drive by. But I, it wasn't like I knew that was going to happen. Right, that, right, right. That's that's it's, weird. it's happy chance, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. So you needed the lines cleared. Ocado delivered some solution. Why do they deliver it free? You don't know. God, I, honestly, that, I was really chuffed. <laughs> Okay, well, that's good. That's good. Thank you, Ben. Have you been? Do I ask you that? Yeah, you can. Yeah. Have um, you been? What's been going on? I've been good. Uh, yeah, really great. Um, <laughs> Suddenly, my dishwasher story seems pretty good. <laughs> Does it? <laughs> uh, this is the bit where we introduce our guest. Ladies and gentlemen, I am delighted and honoured and just goddamn so goddamn happy to introduce... Uh, Radio and TV personality, ex-rapper or current rapper? Do you still do a bit of rapping? Well, we're doing a bit of rapping next week. We are, actually, yeah. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, it's Nihal. Hello. <laughs> Hello, mate. How you doing, Hello, mate? Ben. Good? Hello, right, Ben. I'm all right, yeah. Good to have you here. I I'm going I'm to steal that drain story. Oh, it's so I think good, that's, isn't it? that's a story of a thousand uses. It's a shame you burnt that material on the podcast, isn't it, really? <laughs> <laughs> I think I could still use it. <laughs> You give it another run out. I can just imagine the plumber standing in front of you going, so what you're trying to say is, mate, you just opened the dishwasher before. Mm. No, no, it's a drainage it's issue. There's a problem with the drains. <laughs> See, you have to understand, uh, R- Ramesh thinks that my voice sounds like what you just it's did. Just <laughs> I think it, what, what yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I've lost my shit. I'll tell you what it is, is that story was so good, I'm just nervous about how we're going to follow it. But uh, Nihal, how's life treating you? It, life is really good because I get to sit in a room with you and talk about hip-hop, which yeah. is just going to be brilliant. Here's a little bit that you like to call, how did you get into hip-hop? Now, you, uh, I think it's fair to say you're not just uh, a hip-hop fan, but you're a participant. Yes. Now, you were in 
What's your hip hop background? You were in Collapse okay. Long, right? Yeah, you? yeah, but before that, uh, I was in. So I, I was 16 years old when I put on my first kind of rap events in Harlow in Essex, where I grew up. So right. we had this venue called the Square, and uh, we decided that we wanted to put on rap events. And uh, and I was I was emceeing, battle emceeing at school, at right. a secondary school, because. We went to a predominantly white school, so yeah. um, and in the first couple of years, there was a lot of these people called skinheads around, yeah. and skinheads didn't particularly like people of my shade. Right. Uh, in fact, they were really quite offended, and then went on to be quite offensive right. uh, towards people like me. And so then you had skinheads at your school. Yeah, we had skinheads, and it, uh, I'm of that age where yeah. kind of throughout the what I would think early eighties. Uh, into uh, little, not far beyond the kind of early 80s, uh, there were these kind of, uh, well, racists, really. It was quite fashionable to be a racist. It was yeah. quite weird for certain and I do, groups of I people. do kind of miss that old school racism. Well, you, know, you knew that? where you stood with yeah, them. Yeah, 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 definitely. You, I what? prefer it to the sort of covert stuff, do you know yeah. what I mean? Just straight out. Well, you could see them coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you could see the green bomber jacket and the tight yeah. jeans and the, and the uh, Dr. Martin boots. When you, when you were getting your head kicked in, it felt honest. Do you know what I mean? There was a real honesty in it. Yeah, there was yeah. an integrity yeah. in the way. And especially as well, of course, it was quite good because um, in terms of fitness, because there was pretty much no street you could walk down without you having to run part of it, <laughs> which I thought was which was quite nice. So we were always quite fit. I mean, right, it was healthy. Yeah. Uh, it was very healthy. So yeah. how did these rap battles go down in that environment? Well, uh, well what happened was is that uh, as hip-hop became more and more fashionable, and hip-hop was brought to us from America. Because I imagine when you first started doing that, it wasn't that fashionable. Because it became like the coolest thing to listen to. Yeah, I guess, uh, I guess it just was something we were doing at school. And then it became kind of fashionable because we just loved it. It just spoke to us. And the more fashionable it became, because it was really African-Americans that were the main uh, proponents of it, it meant that being racist probably didn't really fit into that world yeah because you know it's, it's a little bit like it's really difficult to be a racist football fan anymore yeah because you just go and, and go oh, you know I mean you're an Arsenal fan I mean can you imagine it'd be almost impossible for you to not like black people and yeah. be an Arsenal yeah, fan yeah, yeah, that would be yeah. a very difficult you couldn't square that circle very easily no. could you no. Chelsea supporters manage it sometimes yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they negotiate it really effectively well they, they, they some... even had a song for it we're racist we're racist and that's the way we like it I yeah. seem to remember yeah. Yeah. Like some, some are more intelligent than others and they, they can do it they yeah, can they, push they, through yeah, yeah it's really good how they what, just sort of dodge I those wonder if they have wonder on the train over to Europe uh, they were having deeply philosophical questions about what is inherently the paradox in their racism. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I wonder if that conversation was had. Yeah, yeah. So so you yes. So so you started doing these rap battles. Yeah. And then how did that progress into you sort of rapping your were you but hold on, were you went sorry did, the connection with the skinheads was that you like battling? You weren't battling. No, them. no, no, no. It was uh, no. That'd it be was amazing. I, it was, I think that I would it was be. Like, then I took him on. Like, that would be amazing. Mark. I'm an MC, yeah. and I don't care. Clearly, you got more brains and hair. Yeah. Would have been. Uh, uh, Imagine the great... number of things they could find to rhyme with packy. Oh. <laughs> it's just such an easy word. Isn't uh, it? You look stoned, smoking that wacky backy. Yeah, there you then, go. But, yeah. Or how about you come with my family to Falaraki? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> There's another one. There you go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ben, would you like to do a packy no, rhyme? Do you know what? I think as a, uh, a cardo uh, purchasing uh, Jew, I'll keep quiet. <laughs> Is that your Wikipedia like? Yeah, I've got Is that your business card? Ben Green, <laughs> a cardo purchasing Jew. I th- I, yeah. But uh, okay, so hold on. So so you were at school. School. So school was uh, in Essex, comprehensive school, and. It had that kind of environment, and then hip hop. I mean, this is why this podcast, the title of it, is brilliant because hip hop did save my life. I yeah. mean, hip hop 
made me someone. It gave me confidence. It gave me a sense that being a brown boy in a white school, that I had a tribe to belong to. Everyone else seemed to have these tribes. But And Ramesh, you'll know, if you're Sri Lankan, you're a minority of a minority of a minority. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. all the Asians are Indian or Pakistani, yeah, right? Yeah. So so you're not even one of them, right? So then you're going, well, what are you then? And, you're, and then I am um, a, a Buddhist background. So we're Sinhalese Buddhists. So there are more Tamil Sri Lankans in the UK, of which, of course, you're one. So that made me a minority amongst Sri Lankans in the UK. Yeah. So suddenly you were like layer upon layer. But then if you could rap, suddenly everyone wanted you to be in their crew. Yeah. And if you could freestyle rap, which was the ability to just rap off the top of your head, then that made you a particularly... Uh, valuable part of a crew because it means when it came to battle raps you could look at someone and kind of dismantle them exactly but so it wasn't pre-written rhymes you could look how rubbish their high-tech tech tech trainers were and uh, how terrible their their kind of uh, Glenn Hoddle-esque mullet was and uh, and have a go at them or their fake Sergio Ticini tracksuit imagine I mean a good eight mile would be better if there's some mullets in it Be and, wicked, and Sergio Tacchini <laughs> <laughs> so how did it come to pass that you started like, having a recording career then uh, it came to pass really because of Collapsed Lung so the square in Harlow which was this place this kind of hub where it was sadly closed only a couple of months ago but it was where a lot of kind of musicians used to meet and there was a guy called Anthony Chapman who was making beats and was into grunge and that kind of Seattle uh, sub-pop kind of scene, but also massively into hip-hop, massively into Cypress Hill and Public Enemy, etc. And um, and and he was kind of put this band together and he said, w- would you like to front it? And I was like, yeah, just thinking it's not going to go anywhere. And then Collapse Lung, weirdly, just something happened. Like suddenly all the indie press were into it, NME were into it, uh, Joe Wiley played one of our songs on Radio 1 and a lot of A&R record companies came to see us and suddenly it became, wow, okay, I could probably do this. Yeah. Uh, and then I got signed... Actually, I mean, way before that, I put out a rap track on a compilation album in 1989. What um, was it called? It was called uh, Into the Music and uh, and the, the compilation album was called Hardcore Volume 1 and you can still... You can hear the track actually. It's on. It's on YouTube somewhere. Is this a solo track or? Something? Yeah, it was a solo track. Yeah. It's what did you? What MC you got? Crazy A. Wow. I know, right? And crazy, spelt K-R-A-Z-double-E. Holy shit, that's hip-hop. Yeah. That <laughs> that is, hip-hop is that. Oh. K-R-A-Z-double-E. Now, now I know who I'm talking to. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. AKA, also known as Machine. Real bad, but it's a mad bull. When I cook 14, it's what I do like cruel. It's bad, but it's good for you, fool. Heathen, you say I'm believing. What you like, no concern, no retrieving. No forcing, multi-files, no E. Number, bumper, liars. How did that track go down, then? Uh, well, I, can't, I guess like a, a lead balloon, really. <laughs> I mean, um, uh, uh, do you like it? Yeah, I do actually. That's yeah, I, I like it because the beat is amazing. I think the the sample was from an Ike and Tina Turner record, which is uh, but this really funky song. And actually, the DJ who made it, DJ Colt Forty Five, uh, is still one of my is that best with mates. With a C or a K? With a C. Okay. Actually, he went between the two. There, there is a K and a C. <laughs> there is a K and a C. I know. <laughs> I, he has got. He has done a. He's done it with before. a K. Yeah, he's thrown his K's up and then he's uh, he's seed it as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Just gone for a more sort of literacy. I think as he got friendly. older and mature. Yeah, yeah. And especially once he became a father, he thought it was perhaps remiss not to spell <laughs> yeah. words properly. Yeah. When his kids go, Daddy, how do you spell Coke Forty Five? And he goes with a C. And I go, why have you? No, I've got it with a C now, kids. Don't <laughs> get on board. Thing on Amazon. It's good, to, uh, it's good to know what you're buying. But you were also in a group called Muddy Funksters. Right? Yes. I made this up. I'm no, this up. no, no, no. We were in a group called Muddy Funksters. How did that come about? Because um, 
I didn't want to be in Collapsed Lung anymore. Right. And is that uh, because you didn't like the name of the band? It is quite a grim name. Isn't it, it is. It's like prostate infection yeah, or something. It's, like, it's not really something that you think. Where that, did that name come from? Well, they just made it up, and right. uh, and I had no say over that. Yeah. And Muddy Funksters came from a Harry Enfield sketch because we were all obsessed with Harry Enfield. Right. Uh, at that As time, most hip hop groups were. Well, hugely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You you were either. You were either them, or if you're a bit older, Monty Python. Yeah, yeah, they, they're, yeah. they're the two massive. Yeah. So people, MC Monty was. Sick, yeah. Man. I don't know if you so so Africa Bombard, like those kind of guys, massive Monty Python yeah, yeah, fans. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you see, we went a bit more because we were a bit younger. Yeah, we went sure. into the uh, uh, Harry Enfield thing. So so me and Colt and another guy called Alex Vickers, uh, the three. That wasn't his. I don't know what his name was actually. As his hip hop name, because Alex Vickers is not really much of a hip hop name, is it? No, it's um, Colt Forty Five, MC Crazy, Eight, and Alan Vickers. Is it Alex? Alex, Alex Vickers. Alex Vickers. <laughs> it's not not really the one. Um, so I can't remember what he even. Uh, yeah. Anyway, and um, and so we we decided. So Collapse Lung got me to such a stage that a, another record company called Go Discs, which yeah. was the home of uh, Porter's Head and Gabrielle and Beautiful South and those kind of like, so you're sort of oh, yeah that makes sense <laughs> that makes sense that makes, sense. That yeah. makes total yeah, yeah. sense and Paul Weller and uh, the guy who ran that um, a guy called Andy McDonald who owned Go Discs really liked me as a frontman and wanted to sign us so we did we, we got signed to this label when I was like I think in the second year of university I was about 22, 23 so you must have been like excited right you signed yeah, to a record ma- label yeah you signed to a label and it was part of Polydor so it was a you know it had really beautiful offices in Hammersmith and we'd go down there and hang out and you know and Gabrielle and Porter's Head and all these kinds of people and she was certainly dreams really can come true can't they Nihal they t- really did yeah. and of course she no? looked and, and, mm. and <laughs> <laughs> you don't like see see Rumage would have liked that reference, wouldn't he? Oh, he would have liked that reference. He would have gone for the Gabrielle reference. He would have lapped that up, mate. He's singing it now, wouldn't he? <laughs> yeah. But Ben's not having any his old eye patch on. In terms of taste, Ben, you're you're, you're, you're raising the bar. Rack your brains. You've been some thought. What was the first hip hop album you bought? Um, okay, Nihal, how did you? So that we know we've covered how you first got into hip hop. Yeah, yeah. What's the first hip hop album you really properly got into? Do you think? Uh, it would be um, the first one I I bought was Yo Bum Rush the Show. Yeah, Public the Enemy. Public Enemy. Public Enemy. When I first heard a track from that album called Public Enemy Number One, it it just was one of those moments. I think all of us will have tracks yeah. where you've just got like if, when you heard Song Two by Blur or yeah. you know those kind of tracks where you just go, oh my gosh. Yeah. And it, for me, as a, I don't know, I think I was 16, 15 at the time, and uh, I heard that song, and I remember my mate and I from school, we got on the train from Harlow in Essex and we went to a little record shop in Soho called Groove Records, right. which was on on, on um, Greek Street. 52, I think. Greek Street. And what was brilliant about Groove Records was it, it was it was about the size of this little studio that we're in right now, which is what? Five foot by eight foot or something? something I don't know. Like right. It's about the same size as Groove Records. Exactly yeah. right. Exactly yeah. right. And there'd be this kind of slightly rotund, well, not slightly, rotund old lady that would sit in there yeah. and she'd know all about the latest US imports. And we went in there and I bought that and we couldn't wait to get back to Essex to play it. So we stopped off at Neil's, my mate Neil, 
his grand's house in Walthamstow. Yeah. Oh, well, hello, hello, how are you? And we put on this Public Enemy record in the thing and we're just freaking out to the sound of it. It sampled uh, a track called Blow Your Head by Fred Wesley and Fred Wesley was James Brown's trumpet player. And the way they sampled it, the Bomb Squad, which was the production team behind Public Enemy, looped it up and used it. It was just a sound we'd never heard before. And Chuck D's voice, and we were just, that was it. Public Chuck Enemy. D's got like one of the best voices oh, ever in hip-hop, come on. right? Amazing. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. One of the sort of criticisms levelled at Public Enemy, because Ben, I'm going to out you now. You're not a massive Public Enemy fan, are you? Well, I, I, I got into hip-hop later on, and, and I don't... It probably is an unacceptable thing to say. I think it's quite hard to get... I think because you've got that lovely experience of discovering it, and when, when I sort of got into hip-hop, it was sort of more around, I'd say, 2000 and like 99. So, but, so going and getting it and discovering it when it's fresh is kind of good. Yeah. But, but like, yeah, I think it's quite difficult now with, once you've heard sort of a modern style of hip-hop to then go back and then feel as excited. It's weird, though, because, you know, when I was uh, on Radio 1 and 1 Extra, I would be DJing to people who who were, like, maybe two or three when uh, Biggie and Tupac were around. At, at, but it, for some reason, Biggie and Tupac, you can still play to 18-, yeah. 19-year-olds. Yeah. So that hasn't seemed to have aged for a lot of people, like Snoop Dogg, early Snoop Dogg, Dr. Dre. Those kinds of tracks, people still love. But you, I, I get what you mean with Public Enemy. Maybe there's something a bit too harsh well, about it. I think you Yeah, I think the harshness, I think it's a lot more sort of percussion heavy do you know what I mean and it's all about whereas with like the Snoop and all that sort of stuff it's more like groove you know Dre's yeah. production of that time was, yeah. was all sort of you know he proper he used a lot of the instrumental sort of and I do think it makes a difference because like, like Nation of Millions for me was the album that got me into public like I just lost my mind right yeah. incredible Unbelievable. but whenever I like Whenever I play, I say to somebody, somebody said to me, what's your favourite ever hip-hop? And I go, well, one of them is definitely, you know, it takes Nation Millions is like in everyone's. And then you play it to them. And people that didn't listen to it when it first came out are sort of like, I don't know, man. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's it's a weird one. It really is a weird one. Do you think it's also something to do with Flavor Flav? Do you think just like, <laughs> do you think that's slightly tarnished? Do you think Bridget Nielsen? <laughs> yeah. Rather than Public Enemy? Yeah. What a legacy. I mean, they've got to be pissed off about him, haven't they? Yeah, well, I remember going to see Public Enemy at. Um, I remember seeing, like, whenever you see Public Enemy live, it always looks like Chuck D always does a little bit of an eye roll when Flavor Flav does something. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's like sort they're of annoying like, mate they have yeah, to bring yeah, along. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Flavor, let's, let's just try and roll on with the show. <laughs> at one point, Steve is going to take his trousers off and his pants off <laughs> yeah. and stand on the bar. <laughs> When he does it, no one's there and no one encourage him. That's basically Chuck D talking to yeah, the rest yeah. of the public but enemy. Didn't he also undo like a lot of what public enemy stood for? Didn't he? Well, like... a few of them did. I mean, what happened was with public enemy was they got to this stage where they were so massive that the press and kind of so dangerous and subversive. And then um, one of them, Professor Griff, said some some quite anti-Semitic things, which then in America, of course, the whole kind of media just rounded on him, and rightly so, for what the things that he said. Um, and then Flavor Flav, of course, with his problems with drugs, yeah. um, uh, quite well-documented problems with drugs, uh, it, it all kind of imploded slightly. And then Chuck D did have a solo career for a while. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I don't know if you read Chuck D's book. It's Mr. Chuck. It's yeah. like... Yeah. It's interesting hearing his side of it, like with the Professor Griff thing, I think we talked about it on the podcast before, is that they had so many interviews and so much press to do that Chuck D just one day said to Professor Griff, can you go and handle these interviews? And then little did he know that Professor Griff would go off and do those interviews in a very anti-Jewish style and just create a, like a huge problem. And the other thing was, is Chuck D felt a sense of loyalty to Professor Griff. So why it got Public Enemy into trouble is because he didn't instantly disassociate yeah. the group right. from those comments. Yeah. And that's what really got them into the shit because like... He didn't Corbyn him, did he? No, basically, yeah. <laughs> As we've recently yeah, yeah, seen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> basically, yeah. And it just got him into shit, man. But, yeah. um, but Public Public Enemy, one of the most important, and they were like they crossed over, didn't they? Like in, hugely in crossed like over, massive, hugely yeah. crossed over. I mean, you were talking. Everybody was wearing. I remember there's one of the Terminator films where the, the young boy in it is John wearing a, he's wearing, wearing a Public, Public Enemy, Enemy T-shirt. t-shirt yeah, yeah. yeah, throughout the whole thing. I mean, that just kind of tells you all you need to know about how much Public Enemy became part of the consciousness. And and luckily, I'm really privileged to have interviewed Chuck D a number of times and done a Q and A with him at the South Bank Centre. What was he like? Do you know what? Really, really cool, but very aware of the image that we have of him. Right. And that will not slip. So one of the questions I asked him, being a bit of a buffoon, was, what's your favourite joke? Right. <laughs> to, to Chuck I D, a public imagine. enemy. Does, he do, <laughs> does Chuck D do jokes? Does he do jokes? Well, that was his answer. Well, no, he's like, <laughs> <laughs> said, I don't have any jokes, but you should yeah. say. Hey, Griff, Griff. Griff. <laughs> Griff's got 20 minutes about Jews. You're going to love it. <laughs> He's like the Jackie Mason of the uh, Nation of Islam mixed together. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, uh, he said, I choose not to show that side of me. Right. So, well, that's what he said kind yeah. of in this uh, interview that we did in front of, you know, about three, four hundred people. Uh, God, I bet that brought the house down, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. I know. As, as punchlines go, <laughs> yeah. that's a pretty poor one, it has to be said. But, you know, you have to get over the fact. And then afterwards, we all went for dinner. And you went for dinner uh, with Chuck D. Yeah. Where'd you go? Yeah, we went. We ate had sushi, right? right. Yeah, at sushi. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and me and my mate sat it, there because Chuck D likes it raw. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing about a public enemy, man. Well, <laughs> yeah. ODB yeah. preferred it. Yeah. He preferred it. You know, oh, he loves defense. some sushi. <laughs> oh, baby, he likes it raw. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Are we having the fish? <laughs> oh, baby, I like it raw. Oh, baby, I like it raw. <laughs> Yeah, so meeting um, and luckily was that your was that the biggest was that your like the person that you wanted to meet? Have you yes. met? Yeah, okay. yeah. Well, that and then when I was in working in music PR, I worked for a lot of MCs, 
and one of them was uh, was Gangstar, right. so Guru and DJ Premier, and I got them onto later with Jules Holland when I was a publicist. And hanging out with Guru was amazing because th- they were again Gangstar, uh, another one of the greatest voices in hip hop. Yeah, right? so yeah. cool. Oh my so God. cool. <laughs> I'ma start collecting props, connecting plots, networking like a conference. Cause the nonsense is yet to stop. Jake, shake me down. Haters wanna take me down, break me down, clap. All they heard was a sound. Yo, I it's really sad to say it because he's like here, but he kind of emptied the minibar at like nine o'clock in the morning oh, shit. at the hotel. He just kind of sat there. We were talking, and I remember him just taking like drinks and drinking, my, it and my, me just sitting. Going, I'd never yeah. saw him in an interview. I'd always imagined that he sounded like, like on the records, guy. but in an interview, sounded like Joe Pasquale. Did it, like, <laughs> did it, well, it's all I, that. <laughs> yeah, I'm Guru from Gangstar. <laughs> is, is the mic off? <laughs> oh my god, I hated that. Why did Steffi you do had, that? Step in the arena. <laughs> Uh, but he was a cool guy. What was Primo? Really, like? really cool guy. Uh, much more reserved. Right. Much more. He kind of slightly got. It got a bit racist because one of his crew called me Gunga Din. Holy shit, man! Yeah, like one of his crew actually called me. <laughs> Look at Ben. Try not to crack up with Gunga Din. Yeah, that's offensive. That's horrible. <laughs> which was I weird. Do not condone that. <laughs> which, which is really weird because, firstly. It was almost nostalgic being yeah, called yeah, Gunga yeah. Din. Like that's something that happened to my dad's generation. Like that's yeah. not something that happened. To, like no one called me Gunga Din. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like it was almost like Peter Sellers kind of era of kind of racism. <laughs> how so? How does that happen? Like was so, it like? Could you pass me the salt, Gunga Din, or so, was it like so a what, proper insult? So what happened was, um, is that with a lot of rap acts, they make the mistake of having people around them who are not professionals, but they're family members who are on the gravy train. Yeah. And DJ Premier had someone with him who was an absolute tool, like a nightmare. So he's the kind of guy that would come up to me, like we were doing later with Jules Holland, they were in rehearsals, he'd come up to me and he'd go, yo, Primo wants a bottle of Courvoisier. And you're like, right, well, do I look like an off-license? <laughs> and, then, and he's like, no, Primo wants Courvoisier, which of course meant he wanted a bottle of Courvoisier. Right, right, right. And he wanted the publicist slave to go off and buy him a bottle of Courvoisier yeah. and bring it back, other alcoholic beverages are of course available and then because I went mate my job is to get them on television we are now in a television studio yeah, yeah, yeah. that is my job okay my job is not to go and get you so then we get back into the tour bus and um, this guy turns to Premier and goes yo Gunga Din wouldn't get you a thing oh my god right so then what happens is I then tell my boss at the time who was, you know, ran the publicity company that I worked for that this had happened. Yeah. Um, After he laughed and, at the Gunga Din thing. Yeah, yeah. He, went, he, 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 goes, he goes, that's brilliant. I'll call you that. He's got you, he's got you. Oh, oh, look at it. Gunga wants to make a complaint. Oh, Gunga's pissed off. Do you know what? I, do you know, I was getting, and I was getting bored of calling you curry muncher, so that's a brilliant, that's a brilliant, I've got a replacement for that, he said. <laughs> calling you chemo sabi wasn't really doing it for me. Gunga did, that's much funnier. So, so then, weirdly enough, my boss, who was like a big, you know, big, big white fella, he went up to DJ Premier and went, listen, this guy works his ass off to get you on TV and it, this is not cool yeah. so, and and I got an apology from DJ Premier holy shit he came up to me and he went did he do it in a scratch or did he actually say <laughs> no because yeah he went, he went yep, yep, sorry sorry and he did it in an accent sorry Gungardin no he didn't he put his head from the side and said oh very very sorry very sorry 
being a hip hop connection journalist and then being a publicist, I got to meet lots of different rappers and be it. So um, we did um, Top of the Pops in LA once with Most Def, Pharaoh Monch, and Nate Dog, which was a really <laughs> interesting experience. They did Oh No, didn't they? They did, and I did the PR for that song. Right, right, right. So uh, I, was, I was the publicist for a label called Raucous Records. And Raucous you Pops, worked with Raucous Records? Yeah, I was their publicist. Holy shit, yeah. mate, I love Raucous yeah, Records. Yeah, yeah, so I was their publicist in the UK. So Pharaoh Monch, like Simon Says by Pharaoh yeah. Monch, yeah, yeah. that was one of the songs I did. And... Uh, and I did, oh no, I did in fact that whole album, Black on Both Sides. What do you think was better, the better verse? Most deaths or Pharaoh Munches on that track? Oh, Pharaohs. That's what I thought. Yeah. Very contagious rap should be trapped in cages through stages of whackness, fouls, raps, ablazing, and it amazes. Me how you claim thugs would go two ways without Scott Tell pages. I'm in the lecture wall, pass more essays than motorcades, police parades, do we sell a Mate, Pharaohs is unbelievable. It's incredible. Uh, it's just... Dude. I mean, most deaths amazing. Don't get yeah. me wrong, but everyone says most deaths, but Faramont kills yeah. us. Oh yeah, track, he man. just absolutely slaughters it. It's brilliant. You've been responsible for their probably their most popular tracks. Well, they were responsible for it. Well, I yeah, you <laughs> were the publicist on. Yeah, but old, old Gunga did have to get the refreshments, the, didn't he? We haven't got them in the studio, so I think let's let's claim it was you because I'm just trying to help you. Fucking hell, I won't bother next time. I'm trying to big you up. Well, that's amazing, man. Yeah, that's yeah, nice. cool. yeah. So I, I got to do uh, all of that, which was uh, which was great. And then I remember going to uh, New York because I was working on a trap track um, by Cool G Rap, yeah. uh, and uh, and we went to the uh, Queens uh, in New York to shoot to, to be on the video shoot, and we took a TV show out with us. And Fat Joe was there, yeah. uh, who had I noticed, and he it was at the time when Prince Nassim, the boxer, was really like massive, and he was just wanted to talk to me about that because he obviously thought we were related or something. Yeah, of course. Um, Hey, Gunga, you know Prince of Thieves? Yo, hurry, (laughs) Mancha. Yo, Spice Bucket. (laughs) Spice Bucket. That was was out of left field, wasn't it? (laughs) I'm just trying to be creative with my racial epithets. Uh, I can't believe you were involved in Raucous Records. Yeah, yeah, I worked, uh, worked for Raucous Records for about... Three or four did years. Did you like Company Flow? Yeah, I did like Company Flow. I remember interviewing Company Flow. But the, yeah. the thing about them was, it was quite interesting, was that was real, what we call backpacker hip hop. Yeah, well, yeah, Do you yeah, know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah. was like that backpacker hip hop where they want you to have very abstract flows and just be really complicated rhyme structures and no chorus. Yeah. Chorus is selling yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you are cor- if you are mid late, you are, are sell Tell us about the latest track. It's just me, uh, it's a beat. <laughs> 17 minutes of me just going off the top of the head. And, 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 and for, one rhyme. And for most of the track, yeah. and for most of the track, it'll sound like I'm rapping to a different beat to what's playing. But that's that, like that's the style we incorporate because we like to use the pragmatics yeah. of the mathematics <laughs> and the schematics. <laughs> they, they, they like so talk they, like that. When, it, when, when they got it right, it was great, right? When they didn't, it sounded like somebody had just laid a different vocal over a track and then Dude. put it out. It was insane, Dude. man. It looked like someone was reading out architectural the plans hypotheticals of over a beat. On the statistics, you wouldn't understand my mathematical linguistics. <laughs> yeah, that's, what it, that's exactly what it is like. Supercalifragilistics. <laughs> I'm a man, but I'm not a man. The people, they don't understand the humanity that is contained within me, within the body, coming up from the reflex. That's the specs. You understand? I got reflex, and I'm so complex. But it doesn't need a rhyme, because I'm in my mind, climbing through the third dimension. I'm my middle eye, my middle eye, my third eye. That's what I am. So and then, and then going, at the end what? of the track, you just hear really quiet. There's a bit of fun. That was deep, man. <laughs> And then the thing was, 
because I always hated backpacker rap fans, right? Because for me, the whole purpose of hip hop, it wasn't about this is ours and no one else can have it. Yes. The people who made it and having been someone who tried to make a career out of it yeah. was actually wanted to sell it. You wanted to get hip-hop out to as many people as possible. That's yeah. why it spread so much. But for backpackers, it was just like, oh, they've sold out. Like, if I, everyone had sold out, yeah. you know, if you had got anything other than... You, you had to wear, uh, presumably, combats. Uh, you had to wear some kind of workwear uh, yeah. pr- with a military kind of vibe to it. You definitely couldn't have a girlfriend because girlfriends were selling out. Well, if you go to any of those hip hop gigs, it's unlikely you're ever going to get a girlfriend <laughs> yeah. because just behind the bar, no women <laughs> there at all. Oh, no. <laughs> Complex, <just> feministics, <laughs> masculinity, <laughs> simplistics. Quite homoerotic. Whole club is full of dicks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it was. Ins- Yo, you can't test. Come to my show, a sausage fest. <laughs> you just walk in, you just be like, wow, I'm never ever going to meet a woman. Listen, backpackers are just joking, all right? It's just a joke. Little jokistics. Uh, anyway. <laughs> hey, man, what's your favourite hip-hop album? Um, okay, so what is, would you say, is your, your favourite uh, hip-hop album of all time? Do you know what, this was... A very difficult question. It's a re- really difficult question because I, I'm, I, I was pre-designed for the Spotify generation in that I'm a very much a singles person. Like, cool. I'm, like it's tracks to me. Yeah. I've always been disappointed slightly by albums, especially hip-hop albums, because for the longest time it felt as though hip-hop albums, there was so much filler on them. You know, I think hip-hop albums may be hip-hop more guilty than almost any other music form for having a lead single and then 12 tracks of hot shit. <laughs> just like, just fucking mess, like for the rest of the album. And it kind of put me off album culture in many yeah. ways, but there were some albums that you could listen to, you know, and um, It Takes a Nation of Millions is definitely one of those. Yeah. Three Feet High and Rising by De La Soul Amazing, yeah. is, you know, you can uh, listen to uh, from beginning to end. And... Uh, and, and this is where I get into kind of dodgy territory with some people. The Miseducation of Lauren Hill, I think, is a hip-hop album. You know? right. I think that she, coming from uh, the Fugees and produced by Salam Remy, of course, produced lots of Nas stuff, that is a hip-hop album. Yeah. It may necessarily be a rap album, but it's, a, it's definitely a hip-hop album. Our philosophy, possibly speak tongue, beat drums, Abyssinian, street Baptist, rap this and fine linen. From the beginning, my practice extending across the atlas. I begat this, flipping in together on the dirty mattress. You can't Ben, you're a Lauren Hill fan? Uh, yeah, I am a Lauren Hill. Although, <coughs> I, I question whether it's a, a hip-hop album. Wow. Well, not only because, and I don't know this is officially how you classify a hip-hop album, my sister's favourite rapper is Robbie Williams, and she owns Miss Education of Lauren Hill. Whoa. So, in my mind, I can't see it as a... But I love that album. I love it. But do you know what I mean? Like, is it, it's a, you know. Your sister's favourite rapper is Robbie Williams. Yeah. So, what, I mean, she wasn't into hip hop, basically. So, Robbie. I, I don't, th- I think that was self explanatory. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you're right. Imagine you got on the podcast. Imagine yeah. you got no, on the podcast. I didn't, need to, didn't need to clarify that. Yeah. Her favourite rapper is Robbie Williams. Yeah. And, and, and weirdly, she wasn't really into it. Yeah. So, How old so is yeah, your I, sister, Ben? She's 40. Oh, no, she's 39. 39. Yeah. But like, no, I guess I... Both Ramesh and I, I can't love... wait to meet her. Yeah. <laughs> Based on that recommendation. Yeah. But, but she did have that album. I remember that. I actually listened to that first because she had it. Well, but... that's because Killing Me Softly was just a massive yeah. pop record. But if you dig deeper into that album, Lost Ones and these kinds of yeah. tracks on there, 
it is just uh, everything is everything. It's unbelievably yeah. hip hop. I mean, yeah, the yeah. beats, the bits that it flows into rhymes, um, the breaks, the samples. It's a hip hop album. Did you go to a recent live show? No. The last time I, I do you know what? Last time I saw her live, part of the stage set fell down. I think it was at Brixton Academy, so and it just kind of told you all you needed to know about. It was very symbolic of how her life had kind of dismantled in itself. You yeah. just kind of looked at it and went, oh, I don't want to remember you like this. Yeah, yeah. But, but their, her come, their Fuji's comeback track, was it Take It Easy? Is that it? Take It Easy? Do you remember that? What the hell are you talking about? I have no idea. No? Take It Easy? Have you what? never listened to it? No. I hope I haven't made this up in my head because I like the... Fu- Take it easy. It's I a think really it's a Robbie tra- Williams track. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Take it easy. You should play it. It's a good track. I got Moxie. I'm so damn poxy. Industry try to block me like cops and paparazzi. Zool stop, don't copy. Just copy properly. Everybody same policy. Universal equality. Okay. And it's, honestly, it's got all of it. When did that come out? Like 2000. Oh, really? Interesting. Rumadge wouldn't know that, would he? No, he wouldn't know that. No. <laughs> no, Rumadge would have. Yeah. It's a good track, up. honestly. Jess Glynn or something I don't know why they never released it it sort of became this thing that came out and then it died well I always wondered if uh, Lauren Hill never really wanted to to get back together with the other two did she Praz God knows what he's up to mate who's on Take It Easy well, I imagine this chat that I made up. Yeah. <laughs> well, I presume that, that, that the score must have sold what 10, 15 million copies. So, so does that mean they the, don't have to work again? No, he would again? definitely never have to work again. Right? They would never. Right. If you're selling that amount of albums and you've got some kind of publishing on that, yeah, you will never have to. So work why again. would you then? You're just done, isn't it? Just leave it. Well, some people have stuff to but say. Look how wealthy you are, but you still go on tour. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I mean, you still do stuff. it. You what? still do it because you do it for the love. Listen, mate. If I made enough money. <laughs> To, you've already, to not do it again. You think you're fucking you've already got an exit strategy plan, <laughs> you're in, haven't you? You're in, do not tell me for a second that on a Thursday night you wouldn't be in Colchester if you didn't. <laughs> You'd be there in a flash. Nah, mate. So Lauren Hill, Miss Education Lauren Hill, that's your favourite album? No, it's, I mean, it would have to be It Takes a Nation of Millions. I mean, okay. you know, because that had just hit after hit after hit, just tracks that you would... But then there are Public Enemy tracks like... Um, Again, it's singles, isn't it? It's uh, Welcome to the Terror Dome. It's yeah. a, a track that just... What I loved about Public Enemy, which actually is probably one of the reasons why it hasn't really, as you rightly pointed out, Ben, crossed over, crossed over is it's how dark it was. Like, yeah, the yeah. music was so dark. Like, you don't really want to be in a club. You'd be in a concert and listen to Public Enemy, but you could probably listen to Fight the Power and Don't Believe the Hype. But there's not many public enemy tracks you really want to hear in a club. No. It's, it's, not, it's a good point. It's about girls, isn't it? It is about girls, yeah. It is. It's like, that's why R&B, yeah, hip hop. That, that I've never that's thought why of no that. one's ever chatted anyone up to company flow. <laughs> yeah. Because you know what? You know, oh, you, also, you know that, but you know yeah. those type of tunes, what would happen is people don't dance to those tunes. They stand there and rap along to them. Yes. When you said Simon Says, I remember being in clubs, screaming it and jumping around. And Did of you course, scream, girls rub on your titties? Yeah. <laughs> Well, exactly. You're York never going to pull. Pitty, 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 yeah. New York City. Pity, pity, fool, something. Yeah. <laughs> you, you never look cool. You never look cool. Well, maybe some, some people could pull that off. Jumping around, screaming. But, yeah. like, I certainly couldn't pull that off. And so if you're doing that, you know, it would suddenly come on a club that was actually more of an R&B sort of hip-hop club. And that would come on, and that would kill you for the rest of the night. Yeah. How are you guys both with the... Uh, when say uh, nothing by Noriega, right? Or Nori, yeah. what tunes? You know, what are you going to do? And then the N word comes up. What do yeah. you do in a club? I normally try and find a black person and get authorization before oh, do I you? carry. Yeah, yeah. Do you have a? Do you have a? Just a shout in his face. I thought you were going to say. 
really push it to the ultimate limit. I don't give a fuck. And then if I survive, I assume that it's okay. You can't do it, can you? What? Seriously, you can't do it, can you? You can't. No, of course not. Oh, can't. actually, I just forgot straight out of Compton. Straight out of Compton. Crazy motherfucker named Ice Cube. From the gang called Niggas with Attitudes. When I'm called off, I got a sawed off. Squeeze the trigger and bodies are hauled off. That is another hip hop album where that absolutely blew our minds. When we first heard that song straight out of Compton, yeah. we, we just went, this is just, it's just so angry. Yeah. So but again, another track you can't really play in a no, no. play in a club because it's so. I went harsh. to see um, Ice Cube and Naughty by Nature at the O2. They did the Indigo at the O2, and Ice Cube opened with Straight Outta Compton, right? And I just thought, you're done now, mate. And like, what are you going to do? <laughs> what are you going to do now? Like, it was amazing, man. It's like what that album, incredible. But I would argue that album slightly peters out towards it. Like it's sort of, yeah. it's sort of ba- like really strong tunes. Yeah, 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 it's front loaded, heavily yeah, front loaded, yeah, heavily, that record. Like, heavily front loaded for a pre shuffle generation. <laughs> <laughs> it would have made an incredible EP. <laughs> it really would have. It really would have. Yeah. But I mean, I loved uh, I lo- It was really, it's so weird when you're kind of li- growing up in a village in Essex, yeah. listening to music made in South Central Los Angeles and representing that whole that world and bringing that world into your world yeah like so many people I knew were obsessed with like going to Compton do you know what I mean you just think you would die mate like it's actually really nice Compton now yeah it's actually isn't it it's like I was there I was there it's been there's a cereal cafe there I went crumping in Compton yeah uh, with a clown yeah Yeah, and uh, it just really looks really nice. Does it? Yeah. I mean, I, do, I, I might be tarring it with a brush that is that it might be horrible, like at night. But daytime, everyone seemed really friendly. It seemed like it actually looked like much nicer than most parts of London. I'd right. say not a dangerous place. Don't worry about it. Go okay. There. All right. Fine. Well, this is wow. Good. Well, if Foxton's ever moved to Compton, <laughs> I can say you'll well, be driving guy. around in your little mini. <laughs> the dual aspect. Uh, you can see <laughs> both dealers. From just one room. Oh man, hip hop gripes. Um, okay, Nahal, is there anything you don't like about hip-hop? Uh, the one thing, I've I kind of already said it in that people that complain, I, I I have an issue with anyone that tells me that, they've, that the best music has already been. Yeah. Because I think if you love hip-hop genuinely, and you then you would rate Kendrick Lamar as good as any rapper you've ever heard in Great, your life. Amazing, yeah. You know, yeah. You could, there's no way you could listen, you could really be a hip-hop fan and say, because I, I had this, I went to the World um, B-Boy Championships the other day and I was trying to, and I was saying to this guy who was in his 40s and old school, one of the original kind of breakers in this country, and I was saying to him about Kendrick Lamar and he kind of this wry smirk on his face as if to say, come on, yeah, come yeah. on, <laughs> come on, like that. And you're like, bruv, like... Just be open minded. Like the whole thing about hip hop is you should be open minded. It's the complete antithesis of hip hop not to be because if you were making hip hop, you were listening to Can and Kraftwerk and the Beatles and Led yeah. Zeppelin because you were sampling from all these places and all of these different influences were coming in. So for you to then get into your kind of mid 40s and go, all the best music was 91 to 94. Yeah. That was like the best era of hip hop was the early 90s. Yeah. And you go, mate, well, you've obviously not listened to hip hop there's, now. There's a lot of factors that I think contribute to that. One is that whenever you listen to music from that, when you were that age, yeah. you have a much yeah, more yeah, of a connection yeah. with it. Mm. But the other thing is, is people just look at things with rose-tinted glasses, right? <laughs> because when we used to listen to hip-hop then, 
there was so much stuff that you thought was shit, and like that, and there was there were so many good records coming out that where they were complaining about the amount of shit hip hop that was being made. Like that was like a theme. There was so much shit hip hop. It was a theme. It was like a fucking subject matter in records. I'm sick of all this corny hip hop. So yeah. Let's not pretend that it was all great. There was as much dog shit as there is now. Do you know what I mean? And the thing is, don't get me wrong. There is shit hip hop. You know, it isn't. But one, I'd say it's not for us. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff for the charts that that isn't that isn't like the stuff that you like. But there's really there's shit loads of really good stuff, man. Do you yeah. know what I mean like that? You know, you talk about Kendrick. He just like spat out an untitled album of just throwaway tracks, and it's better than just stuff I've heard for years and years and it's great and, and Drake, I mean Drake's got some um, that 0 to 100 beat is as good as any beat that you would have heard yeah. like in the 90s all about TV I thought it made me richer wasn't paying me enough I needed something quicker so now I'm all in Nico basement putting working on the phones either that or drive the money more to make the pickups um, and he is he also what's really interesting now is the grime scene yeah, you yeah. know and how that as rap has metamorphosed and now grime people say we're not rap we're grime and it's such a, and it was brilliant because when I was doing hip hop we always felt such the poor cousin like any British hip hop you heard was like they called it British hip hop yeah, yeah, which yeah. immediately meant shit yeah, right yeah. that's kind of you like you weren't going to go over that but now grime you'll just go to grime and that's better and in fact if you listen to a lot of grime it's more exciting than the stuff that's coming out of America. Yeah, yeah. And also America's starting to take notice. Well, yeah, Drake. And, and the thing was, when you, when you li- used to listen to British hip hop, I mean, there's some of it was great. Like, I love Gunshot and the Hijack. And, but there's a lot of it that felt like you were doing it out of a sense of duty, like you might support your local community centre. Do you know what I mean? Like, it was, <laughs> and do you know what as well? Oh, do you bless know, them. And do you know all that all British hip hop really used to do was complain? Yeah, 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 it just like moaned all the time. Yeah, yeah. It was like Victor Meldrew over yeah. Beats. Well, have you decided to listen minute. to me now, have you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't support D. I come on, we'll put the album on then. Come on. <laughs> That's how it felt. Yeah, it was yeah. just like, dude. If you want people to be into music, give them something to aspire to. Give them yeah. something that's uplifting. But it was always like, my life's so terrible. I got no peas and all this kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah. Okay, so what are you listening to at the moment, Neha? Uh, Kano. Yeah, made in I the manner. I just absolutely love Kano. And the thing is uh, about him is he's such a visionary and he's not scared to attempt new things and try new flows. Uh, and he's brilliant. And uh, and he he's one of those people that transcends genre. He's a rapper that just becomes, like most Steph did, yeah. so like Kendrick. It's just they're just Kendrick or most Steph or Skepta. Kano is just one of those guys. You don't yeah. just think of him as grime, you just think of him, he is what he is. And he's a, he's a lovely guy and a really What I guy. thought was interesting was like, when you, when before Made in the Manor came out, he'd had like New Banger and Garage Skank and all, and those are all like proper like adrenaline tunes. BPM yeah. kind of and thing. Then, yeah. And then you listen to the album and he's actually got these like sort of like low tempo sort of yeah, really like deep, reflective dark, yeah, yeah, songs. Yeah, yeah. And I sort of think what he could have done if he wanted to is just done 15 new bangers do you know what I mean like different variations of and the album still would have been really well received and people would have gone True. wicked but he decided not to do that and I think he deserves a lot of respect for that like, like you said he's, he took a risk do you know what I mean and, that, that's a big risk I mean yeah, if you yeah. think about someone like Stormzy who's done amazingly well I mean what Shut Up's got 30 million views now on, yeah, yeah. on YouTube yeah, yeah. and he's stuck very much to who he is 
But what's interesting, I think, is that of all of those that younger crop of MCs, because Kano's actually a veteran now. Yeah, he's yeah. getting to retire. Stor- Storms is, yeah. Storms. We're just going to cut that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And put it out. Yeah, yeah, sweet yeah, it to yeah, Kano. Yeah. Um, <laughs> My favourite. Yeah, great. Plug one, plug two. Guest plugs for you. Right, Nahal, we've, got, we've overrun. This is the longest record we've ever done, mate. Oh, um, dude, I'm sorry, man. Uh, that's all right. Uh, is there anything you want to plug, Nahal? Um... No, really. I mean, I'm, I'm, well, you, you and I are doing, uh, you've agreed. Do, do you want to talk it. about this, what you're, this yeah, project you're so working on? Yeah, do, so I'm doing this documentary for Sky uh, about my love of hip-hop, and literally how hip-hop saved my life. So we're going back to my old school in Essex, and we're finding this kid who's kind of was the age I was when I got into hip-hop, and we're going to train him up, and then we're going to put him on stage at Wembley Arena in July in front of 10,000 school kids to rap in front of these kids and uh, Ramesh has kindly agreed to uh, come and me and him are doing a middle-aged rap battle against each other as part of the documentary Freestyle are you going to write something oh well, I'm already writing it what yeah are you shitting me bro I'm writing it I'm writing bars how I'm, long I'm coming bars? for you how many are you doing are you attacking me it's a battle not, not personally we, we went through this in Sri Lanka <laughs> <laughs> I don't know he's still not getting it oh. <laughs> well I'm not going to battle you because because uh, that would bring out that whole Singalese Tamil thing. You and oh I would be in so much oh trouble. Can you imagine we took it down that road? <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. Oh, gee, oh. Shitting hell. Becomes a very different program. <laughs> Just see Channel 4 News, photo of me and Nihal next to each other. These two guys reignited the conflict. <laughs> Oh so, so I'm choosing my words. Uh, just, just uh, you know, I've managed to uh, get the word quinoa in there. Okay. Oh, right. Yeah. It's you're one going of them for ones. It's okay, one of them right. ones. Fine, so, fine, you know, fine. I don't know why I'm taking on uh, what uh, you know, without any blowing smoke. It was one of my favourite comedians in the world. Why I'm taking mm. you on in Cheers, a rap? Mate. Did you hear that, Ben? Mm. Dude, you, he is though, and BAFTA mm. nominated, bro. Mm. I haven't even talked to you about that. Yeah. That is a huge look. Do you know? Well do you know this? Thanks, Ben. And, and you, yeah, brilliant. Asian provocateur, Asian, not, Asian provocateur. It's is not still for director, my... mate. Performance. So let's not give Ben any shine. It's anyway. a so, long editing process. <laughs> so, 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 just lot of shit on the cutting room floor. <laughs> so just to be clear, from the comment you just made, we can very much count out you saying. If you win, it was a team effort. Yeah? Oh, mate, you this... can fuck that up the arse. <laughs> right, There's okay. no way I'm saying that. Absolutely no way. I'd like to thank even Ben I, Green. Even no, if I believed that, I still wouldn't say it. <laughs> We've got a good relationship. <laughs> so is yours the voice I hear? That's Questioning the prick. You know the annoying the prick? Time. I was thinking, yeah. who is this guy? I love this guy's voice. Like, genuinely, I thought, this guy's voice. Are you taking the, don't I don't come know whether he's taking the piss don't either. Don't come on here and do I am not. I really like that banter between the two of you. It was amazing. Yeah, sure. yeah, we can recreate it for the podcast, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> I, think that, I, think, I think the drainage and don't put death to that. <laughs> Nihal, it's been an absolute pleasure, mate. Oh, we'll have to it. do a part two or something. Man. Oh, this come like, on, please. We'll have to, mate. We'll oh, get you, so you back. Know, like, this is 11, right? Yeah. So I thought to myself when I saw this, and uh, Catherine Ryan's done one, hasn't she? <clears throat> yeah. And I was just thinking to myself, when's he going to ask me? I thought, I can't ask you. Yeah. I've got to wait to be asked. Yeah, you do. Have and to when wait you did, yeah. hands in the happy, air. Happy man. I, I didn't it want happy. it to look like just like Sri Lankan link up. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. You know what I mean? Sorry, man. Well, we'll get you back for well, another the, one. Well, the diversity thing's already ticked by you, so you don't <laughs> need me. You just don't yeah, need you me. you are so surplus to requirements, <laughs> No, you need to get more white people on this. 
Uh, ben, well done. Yeah, well done. You've been great, oh, man. Thanks, man. Really mm. good. I've enjoyed it. If you, if anybody out there knows where Rumage is, please do get in touch. Oh, Why can I just just say? I know we were bantering, but don't say Gunga didn't to anyone. Okay, yeah. cool. Just wanted to make that clear. Uh, okay, that's it from me, Ben Gunga Din. We're out. <laughs> See you later. Nu bij Coolblue. 100 euro korting op de HP Spectre 2 in 1 laptop met Windows 10. Start je laptop nog sneller op dankzij de 1 terabyte SSD schijf. Vandaag besteld op coolblue.nl, morgen gratis thuisbezorgd. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.